Well, hello and welcome to episode number 374 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. I'm Carlos and in this week's show, a 737 goes for a swim, United Airlines spends a few quid and an 82-year-old is destined to head into space. In the military this week, the Colombian president's helicopter gets hit by small arms fire. The Pentagon still can't or won't explain UFOs and the Swiss Air Force decides on the F-35 for its future fighter force. So joining me this week in an already hot and balmy (laughs) PTUK Master Suite studio is, of course, the man who's drinking a fine tin of uh, vanilla stout this evening. It's Matt Smith. Uh, well, good, good, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Another day gone, as they say. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Hello. Welcome. Episode three seven four already. I think that's that's your drink of the show now. It vanilla is. stout yeah, each I, week. I, I like the stout. vanilla. The vanilla, vanilla's good. Mm. Mm, that is, that is good. nice. That is that's nice. That's what I say. Yeah. So, how, how's uh, how's things been with you this week? Obviously, you, you had the uh, the radio on Sunday, didn't you? you had the show, and, yes, uh, which was lovely. Yeah. Um, um, uh, well, just just back in the world of delivery this week. Oh, oh I passed my probation. Oh, yeah, so I thought you'd already passed that. No, no. Yay. So, so I, I'm, I'm officially a, a fully-fledged, like, um, I'm no longer a probie. There you go. Oh, you were never yeah. a probie <laughs> anyway. that was a prison thing. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's a totally different conversation, Armando. Uh, <laughs> one, one, for, one for Peter UK after hours, that one. Oh, uh, stay, stay tuned after we go uh, off, off the show tonight, guys. Yeah. But, oh, good. I'm glad, a, glad you've... But yes, yeah, no, no, nothing much to report really other than that. Yeah, just, yeah. just you know, muddling on, as they Wonderful. say, working and that. Back in the delivery team, which is my home. Uh, it's nice to be back there. I had to... You know, I had to like talk to customers and stuff. I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. <laughs> now you just talk to wine. Yeah, just talk to wine. No, I talk to Yodel. That's what. Oh, I mean. okay. Yeah, to Yodel. <laughs> that's fun. The UK's <laughs> finest delivery service. <clears throat> absolutely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, you know. Anyway. Yeah, ninety, ninety-five, ninety-six percent success rate on first delivery attempts. So not that bad. Mm, okay. <laughs> oh. I believe you. <laughs> Carlos doesn't believe me. Anyway, yes. <laughs> uh, we are we are missing a member of the team this evening. Uh, unfortunately, Nev can't be with us this week uh, because he's very busy uh, doing as he does well all his usual tech bits and bobs and stuff. I think he's redressing his studio or something. I think probably. So. Yeah. Uh, so he can't be with us, but he does uh, send his uh, fondest regard, fondest regards to all the uh, listeners. So uh, uh, he will be back, hopefully back next week. But uh, we have uh, as Nev's not here obviously due to uh, the contractual the agreements contractual yes, uh, we have obviously got uh, our other co-host of the show the mm. fantastic man that is and he's got a he's got an amazing um, backdrop with a fan <laughs> above his head it is armando actually it's not just a fan it's turbo fan right I would have said turbo a turbo prop. prop yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, a turbo prop. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not your it's not your finest video. Uh, not not your finest location that we've ever seen you in. No, you know, in, in typical show fashion, I was trying to give Matt a heart attack, and it took me about yes. uh, forty five minutes to get the setup yep. going to at least get to six hundred and forty uh, pixels. Yes, for today's indeed. show. But yeah, yeah. No, the heart attack actually took a, a, about about fifteen seconds to give me, but uh, there was. So what is Armando <laughs> coming to us in what two forty today four eighty? No, it's a little higher than that, but only just five seventy, five sixty, six forty. I think six forty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll give all the listeners and the viewers a discount on today's episode because of the low quality video. Right. Okay. <laughs> From America. From America. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Absolutely. But uh, yes, oh, you are here. That's the you are, you are here. here in voice, and that is the most important thing. 
Oh well, yeah, Nev told me that he wasn't going to be on the show, so I had to. Yeah, had to con- show up. yeah contractual agreement. Yes, absolutely. We mustn't forget that. Yeah. So, so how, how are things with you, Armando? What have you been up to uh, this week? Flying or uh, skydiving? No, whole lot of nothing. I spent uh, basically a whole week on vacation, and one of our friends has a beautiful lake house on Lake Norman. So we have spent an entire five days. Just on the boats, on the pontoon boats, and the water ski. Maddie learned how to water ski, which was great. Oh wow! And then uh, here in the U.S., it is Fourth of July weekend, so of I am on location in Eastern North Carolina, Fayetteville, one of the largest uh, military bases in the country, with some friends uh, from the Air Force, and we are also on a lake here uh, on in Eastern North Carolina. So we're going to be hanging out. Yeah, yeah. I can say water skiing with a plane by any chance, or. <laughs> Well, there would be no other way to do it. Well, quite, yeah. Not, not for my daughter. <laughs> no, no, of course. Absolutely. <laughs> I was going to say, she's but, fearless. I mean, yeah, I can say, well, <laughs> why have sensible water skiing when you can put a plane in the way? I mean, why? Why, why not? <laughs> well, like that, when all her little friends that live on the lake uh, do it from boats, she's going to be like, boats? Ah, oh, jeez. <laughs> quite. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, touche. Well played. Uh, <laughs> never have I had a question that I've asked backfire so beautifully. Uh, <laughs> There we go. Oh, so that's the team assembled. That's the team assembled. Yep. Assemble. Team assembled. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what we've got this week, just for a quick weekly roundup. Well, we have got uh, a, a Nev's media fail, oh, have uh, we? which we, we've mm. been sent in by uh, Nev, which is uh, a tweet that apparently was put on. Uh, I think it was on the Daily. I think it was the Daily Mail. I think tweeted this. And uh, they uh, obviously Nev loves his media fails when the 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 various uh, kind of places put the wrong pictures. You know, they put uh, they'll be talking about a. Sorry, you can stop stalling now. I've done be, it. Yeah, okay. it's fine. They'll be talking <laughs> talking about an A three twenty, and they'll put an A three eighty on there or something. Yeah, like that. so indeed. this week's uh, uh, Nev's media fail BA tweet apparently. Uh, this was uh, a tweet that was uh, a British Airways flight to San Paolo is forced to return to London, and on the picture they featured uh, I think which Nev's put here an Airbus A three nineteen, and uh, someone uh, on Twitter. Matt uh, Aviation Up Close or at Aviation Up Close has put how stupid of BA to use an A319 on a flight uh, to Brazil. No wonder they returned, clearly realised they weren't going to make it. <laughs> hashtag BA, hashtag A319. I mean, to be fair, you know, it is on the daily fail. We should just stress yes. that. So that's probably the first uh, first issue there. I mean, but... it would be interesting to see if a fully fully fueled, fully laden A390. It'd be to see how far it would get before it ran out of fuel. Right. I, I, I mean, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm assuming <laughs> from the way you're talking, an A319 would not be able to go from London it, to... it would be, Matt, it would be like me saying to you, me and you, shall we go to Malta in my Cessna 150? Oh. We might not get there. Right. I mean, we could refuel. No, this is not refueling. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Yeah, Armando looks horrified. <laughs> so thank you, uh, thanks, Nev, for uh, for sending that in uh, to us for this week. Uh, but uh, we're going to thank everyone who's joined us in the live YouTube chat room this evening. A few new faces in there as well. So we're going to say hello to Richard Adams uh, this week. Hello to you, Richard. John Jest has joined us. Mazus Karim is also in there. Uh, Sturman is also in there. Hello to you, Garth. Ah, uh, hello to James J, a new face uh, in there, James J. 
Jay is coming to us from North Dakota. Hello oh, to cool. you, James. Lovely to see you in there. Uh, welcome to you. Uh, Captain Cruz, uh, Dirk S. Hello to you, Dirk. Uh, we've got um, Arnie Carlson. Hello to you, Arnie. Hope you are well as well, enjoying uh, enjoying the, uh, well, the, the start of the weekend. That's what we <laughs> like to call it. And Armando is wielding the... Uh, Blue Spanner. Is he? Oh, he's in charge today, is he? He's in charge of that today, yeah. So oh, okay. welcome to you all. Uh, don't forget, if you're listening to us on the uh, the audio version of the show, uh, don't forget, uh, if you want to join in on the YouTube platform, if you find us on YouTube, just search for uh, youtube.com forward slash plain talking UK. Uh, click on subscribe and hit the bell icon, which is right next to uh, to that as well, to join us in the, uh, the live YouTube feed. Yeah, and hello as well to Stuart McCutcheon as well. Hello cool. to you, Stuart. Another new... Hello, Stuart. Whereabouts are you, Stuart, in the world? Let us know. Uh, so, if you, uh, yeah, like I said, if you want to subscribe to us, that'd be great. Don't forget to click that subscribe button. Mm. And uh, now yeah, it's the beginning of the month, so that means we have something very important. Yes, to do. it is the beginning yeah. of the month. Shall, shall I start the music? Start the music. Yes. Here we go. So it is that time of the month where we say a big thank you uh, to all our Patreon and PayPal uh, subscribers uh, who very kindly donate to the show. So thank you to Dirk S, uh, Sasha Beer, Stephen Ivey, Nicholas Codling, Warren Dixon, Louis Fares, uh, Andrew Van der Sarg, Alan White, Stephen Howland, uh, Tanya Wyman, Megan Carrion, uh, Jacob Darlington-Brown, Nicholas Hewitt, Masha Gertz, uh, Mr. Uh, Owen Shimizu, whoever he is. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. No. Uh, Ruben Wells, Neil Lanwarn, Graham Haley. Megan Carrion? No, never heard of him. Jonathan either. Warner. No. Jonathan Warner, who's that? No, I, don't oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still not talking to him after that photo incident. Oh, dear. <laughs> Eric Graves, uh, Matt Caton, Jordan Rose, Andrew Wilson, Captain Jeff, Adam Spink, Liz Piper, Jeff Ward, uh, Myla, Evan Shue, Philip Lane. Uh, Schutbacher, Ray Williams and Stephanie Plummer and our PayPal donators this month have been Tony Stubbings uh, Richard Adams uh, big thank you to you uh, Rick Bell uh, huge thank you to you Rick as well for your very kind donation this month Rick is awesome uh, mm. Scott Masters Jennifer Parkinson Mazus Karim and Lee Davies as well thank you to you one and all and don't forget as a special treat for everyone who uh, donates this show uh, through PayPal or Patreon don't forget there's that special uh, video there's two now there's two exclusive two yes. exclusive videos um, which have been uh, done, put together by Armando, which uh, focus on his uh, flying exploits. He's panicking. Why and, is he? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just gave us that look as if to say, I've done what now? Exactly. <laughs> but there's some awfully fantastic high-res videos uh, which are available yeah. to you yeah, guys. In stark contrast to what we're receiving from Armando currently. But, uh, <laughs> so don't forget, if, uh, if you want to become a Patreon uh, donator or PayPal donator to the show, you can find all the details on our website, www plaintalkinguk.com and uh, yeah love the videos there's some definitely some more to come as well from there and there's also a video uh, going to be out coming up soon from me which is will, there yes which I've been asked is to do is there so uh, yes that'll be coming up soon and it'll be heavily edited by Matt I will say oh so. will it oh okay 
All right, I'll, I'll fit that in. Yes, fair enough. So there we go. Thank you to everyone uh, for your kind donations this month. It is very, very helpful indeed. And uh, it certainly is. Hopefully uh, this year we'll be using some of that to uh, to bring you lots of content from the Malta Air Show in September. Yes. All fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. And Old Buckingham Air Show as well uh, in, in a few weeks' time. So that would be great as well. Yeah, we live in hope. Hopefully, we live in yes. hope. Yeah. So we are going to start the show then as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from across the world and the UK. So if all the team are ready. Indeed, indeed. So, kicking off this week's first news story, it's always sad to see an aircraft that's in my top five of favourites. And uh, this one comes to us from Reuters' uh, Twitter, registry.faa.gov, and FlightRadar24. So, this is uh, this has happened, uh, breaking news, it's very recent. A Boeing 737 cargo aircraft with two people on board made an emergency landing in the ocean off the coast of Honolulu, Hawaii, early on Friday, that's today, at the US Aviation Safety Regulators said. The pilots had reported an engine uh, trouble and were attempting to return to Honolulu when they were forced to land uh, on the water, uh, the US Federal Aviation Administration said in a statement. According to preliminary re- information, uh, the US Coast Guard rescued both crew members, so that's the best news ever. Uh, the Rhodes Express Flight uh, 810 was climbing out of Honolulu lose runway 08 right when the crew of two pilots uh, stopped the climb at around 2,000 feet and reported they had lost an engine, a Pratt & Whitney JT-8D. The tower cleared the flight for a visual approach to runway 04 right. The aircraft began to descend while trying to position for a return to Honolulu's runway 04 and the crew reported that we have all the roads uh, 810 and requested to turn right towards the airport and received clearance. Uh, the tower subsequently cleared the aircraft to turn onto a heading of 020 for runway 04 right. The crew reported they no longer had the airport in sight. The tower advised they had a low-level alert. Tower, uh, tower cleared uh, the flight to land on any runway. All operations at the airport were stopped. Emergency services were called out and the Coast Guard were also on their way out as well. Tower provided a heading of 310 degrees directly to a closer airport, uh, Kala Ilo Airport. At the end of the um, and in the end, the tower did not receive a reply from the aircraft anymore. Now, the aircraft did not make it to the airport, unfortunately, and needed to ditch in the ocean around two nautical miles short of the runway. Both crew were rescued. Uh, one pilot was airlifted to hospital. The other was taken ashore by a rescue boat and taken to a hospital. The aircraft, uh, November 810 uh, Tango Alpha, was built by Boeing in 1975, according to FAA records. Uh, the plane was first delivered to Pacific Western Airlines uh, and joined the Trans Air Fleet in 2014. Rhodes Aviation Incorporated does uh, business as uh, as Transair, which is one of Hawaii's largest air, air cargo carriers and has been in business since 1982. It has a fleet of five Boeing 737 aircraft that fly daily to all major Hawaiian airline destinations, island destinations, I should say, according to its website. And the FAA have obviously started uh, their investigation. Uh, so it's uh, uh, quite an old aircraft, as uh, as we see here. Um, 
obviously one of the first kind of older generation of 737s. This one was obviously the uh, uh, the 200 powered by the Pratt & Whitney JT8Ds. Or we I, I have a question. Far away. Okay, well, the, the engines look different. Oh, yes, these, um, these Pratt & Whitney JT8Ds, they were... Some people used to call these pencil engines because when yeah. you compared these to uh, the engines, because I'm used to the the, the newer, sort of, yeah, 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 where they're they're much much larger. But these look, I don't I don't know what they look like. These are they, old, they look like old cartridges school. that have yeah, been they, shoved they, on the <laughs> underneath they, of the wing. They are they they are a very a very heavily and reliable a reliable air um, engine. These were on the aircraft. These you know were fitted on the, the Dash 200 series. On I mean they built no end of these. Um, and at the end of their life, when the regulations came in to make aircraft quieter, rather than get rid of these aircraft and take the engines off and everything else, they um, fitted these with what they call hush kits. Right. So they put on the back those um, see those bits that protrude from the back of the engine. They put uh, what silver kind of, bits? Yes, there's little right, bits okay. in the back there. They fitted these engines with hush kits to make them quieter. Right. Okay. Uh, which did work actually. So, so I mean, I wonder. I'm going to ask you a very technical question here. So, sorry about this. Um, how, how, how did that? Presumably, they're just not as powerful. Is, is that why they moved away from that design to the more what I the more familiar design that you'd see on this sort of aircraft? Oh, sure. As uh, as you've seen in many other airplanes, so the uh, the JTAD, from what I understand, I think it was used on the 727, on the 737-200. It was on the MD-80, the original DC-9s, as well as the Navy's uh, A-6, the intruder aircraft. So that was, it, it was an older engine developed, uh, I think, in 1960. So just as um, many other aircraft found new, uh, you know, got re-engined, the 707 was the same way. It had a low bypass uh, turbofan, I think, also. And Eventually, they you know they were just expensive to run, but we didn't care about the environment or cost back in the <laughs> 60s and the 70s. Right. It was the golden age of aviation. <laughs> yeah, so it was, oh, those were the days. Hey, just put uh, more gas on it and burn it all. True, um, true. Uh, my uh, the, our producer has just said in our ear, actually, great job by the crew. Not only a ditching with all surviving, but they also ditched at night in the dark. I think that you know th- that's that's a testament to to the the skills involved right there. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Thanks, John. The uh, it's amazing. Any ditching is going to be an emotional event, as mm, I always say. Absolutely. But but yeah, doing it at, at night uh, in the dark is is uh, just an amazing feat by the crew. And I hope they get recognized. First of all, you know we're we're glad that they're okay and they got rescued. Absolutely. Um, it'll be really interesting to hear them recount recount what what happened. Tony S is asking in the chat room, there can't be many Dash 200 still flying around. Well, according to Aerotime Hub, um, with only around 77 Boeing 737-200 remaining in service worldwide, air carriers no no lineup. Aviation fleet is now the world's largest um, uh, user of these particular aircraft. Wow, okay. But, uh, yeah. It's it's been... I, I flew on one of these many years ago. Have you? As a young child, yes. Right, okay. Because Air Malta... Used to have these. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 many years ago. Oh, you and Air Malta, honestly, it's like an obsession. Oh, it's good. <laughs> it was. A, it was. A, I mean, the seven thirty seven two hundred was really one of the first when the the seven thirty seven came out. It it really revolutionized commercial aviation. But lots of carriers. I remember the Piedmont, the original Piedmont. They uh, they had seven thirty seven two hundreds. Alaska had two hundreds. So many carriers had these these aircraft. Um, and yeah, let's not forget as well, before we move on, 
the Aloha Airlines Flight 243 was a 737-200. Half of the roof ripped off in flight, and it carried on flying and landed. And they only lost lost one person. Yeah. Which is one person too many, obviously. Which is one person too many, but it just shows how blooming strong these um, the the old dash 200s were i think i think the last thing we'll say about this one is i i can only imagine that a cargo pilot in hawaii uh is always prepared to ditch because there's not a the the hawaiian terrain is is very rugged um so it was good that they made that initial turn towards kaleola uh but uh you can see how the tower was ready to respond the coast guard I mean, everybody was just ready to Prime respond three. to an aircraft yeah. ditching. So it, it's almost a, you know, a, a, a go-to emergency procedure in Hawaii, I'm sure, yeah. is to, you know, what are we going to do? We're probably going to put it in the water because it's not a lot of hospitable terrain. No, no, indeed. So, Matt, you've got some good news from uh, our low-cost carrier here <laughs> in the UK, haven't you? Indeed. Well, in Ireland anyway, certainly. So uh, story number two, as always, well, hopefully as always haven't had quite the um, the access to stories that we normally we normally try and find one here this is from the guardian.com and the headline is Ryanair passenger numbers soar as covid vaccine restores travel confidence uh, Ryanair's passenger numbers surged in June with the easing of travel restrictions and successful rollout of the covid-19 vaccination program prompting a flood of holidaymakers to seek out summer sunshine in Italy, Spain and Portugal. The no-frills airline, which in June reported the biggest annual loss in its 35-year history, let's be honest, that's hardly a surprise, carried 5.3 million passengers on 38,000 flights last month. In June 2020, Ryanair carried only 400,000 passengers. Uh, So there has been a steady increase in passengers for Europe's busiest and biggest airline in recent months in april there was 1 million travelers and 1.8 million in may as the easing of travel restrictions across parts of the continent fuels a gradual recovery in the hard hit aviation uh, industry um and it's um not really relevant but sort of further information last month ryanair and manchester airports group the uk's largest airport group which also operates Stansted and East Midlands airports, airports launched, launched a legal challenge calling for transparency in the government's handling of its contentious traffic light signal system for grading countries safe to visit. And of course, uh, one of the things I think it's worth mentioning is because at the moment there is some ambiguity about the double vaccination thing and the app. Um, the, they've the they've NH- sorted it now. Oh, they have sorted it because yeah, I know Malta weren't accepting it at one <laughs> no, point, were they? They are now. They are now. Yeah, they yeah, changed so, their mind. Yeah. So uh, for, if you're not in the UK, you may not be aware, but we have a very uh, an app that was released by the government that, that deals mm. with things like track and trace. And um, we have like QR codes and stuff on doors that we scan with our cameras uh, to like tag in and tag out of pubs, bars, restaurants, even, uh, even Fen Farm's little shed. Uh, at the end yeah. of the end of the end of my road here, um, and um, one of the things that they've added that is like a kind of a like a v- vaccine passport. So if mm. you've had both of your jabs, you can add that information to your your app, and that's supposed to be like a QR code that gives you know, proves essentially that you've had both jabs. Um, Sunday, but there has Sunday. been there <laughs> has been some um, <laughs> concerns raised, shall we say, by some of the other countries that this um, 
that this isn't wasn't going to be accepted. But I think Carlos is a saying, lot think of, some it, of it's being sorted. Yeah, a lot of it was um, the backlash that uh, the Maltese government got on Twitter and social media right. from people who had booked to go to Malta with two jabs, but were and arriving. Some were turned away, weren't they? And yeah. some were turned away, um, which obviously cost people a lot of money and the airlines yeah. a lot of money um, and there was such a massive push on I think it must have been down to social media because I think it was yesterday they reversed their decision and decided to accept right. the app and they okay. said at the bottom of their statement that the apparently they'd one of their software developers have had developed quickly this piece of software to enable them to scan our QR oh, code. Oh, I see. And, yeah, and so like a translation. Yes, yeah, and tag okay. it to the information. Right. So, yeah. Okay. I mean, again, uh, so Dirk S is saying, do they sell COVID-19 vaccine shots on Barboard on <laughs> air already? <laughs> Probably. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. I, don't, I mean, cr oh, crew, some crew, you know, they, they do get, uh, like you know, very decent first aid training, but I'm not sure they're, <laughs> they're trained how to give a jab on board. But, Wholly uh, meaning to scratch cards. Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't <clears> want any turbulence at that particular moment mm. in time, would you? But uh, there we go. It's, uh, I mean, is, is there signs of anything like this happening in the, the States, Amanda? Do you think there's any chance that there's going to be like a, like a COVID, you know, a jab, passport for oh no, no. Oh. absolutely absolutely not <laughs> okay okay <laughs> fair, fair enough <laughs> all right we'll move on then next story <laughs> armando you have got uh some well this is rather this is well this is rather big news uh, uh about uh well for boeing and airbus i think yeah this this uh well i guess yeah airbus uh and uh, Everybody, this is probably the biggest sign of a recovery from the pandemic. United Airlines has placed the biggest aircraft order in its history, one of the biggest ever in the U.S. airline market. Uh, this is signaling a very uh, strong demand for for return to travel. So this order was is for all narrow body aircraft. It includes airplanes for both growth of the uh, company and replacement of older aircraft. The airline has been actively marketing the benefits of this order since its announcement. The CEO, Scott Kirby, was touting the main idea behind this order is improved customer service. So this move is, as we said, one of the most aggressive that United has made. And it follows an order just a few weeks ago for 15 supersonic jets from Boom, which we talked about on the show. So there are a lot of upsides to this new order from United Airlines, including a relatively quick refresh of a fleet that has actually gotten quite old. So the two new plane models, which is going to be the 737 MAX and the A321neo, are both highly efficient, as we know. They're fuel-saving airplanes, as we were just talking about with airplanes, better for the environment uh, than anything else in, in United's current fleet. But this order does have some risks as, uh, associated with it. It uh, has implications for the domestic U.S. capacity, effects on competition, airline labor markets, and the regional airline industry. So according to United's press release, many of these airplanes are going to replace 50-seat regional jets. This has some really interesting implications. These replacements will mean that a step function increase in size per departure per, uh, compared to the, to the RJs. That means that the schedule may need to change in terms of frequency or otherwise a lot more people are going to be needed for each flight. So the RJs are flown by regional airlines on a cost plus basis for United, making these flights much more lower uh, per trip costs than a United flown flight. Uh, this is partly because regional airlines use uh, labor that's not covered by United's unions 
And these work generally at lower wage rates, as we know, because we're all trying to get into aviation. So when a 737 replaces an RJ, it means that United pilots are now flying the airplane and the regional carrier must redeploy their plane um, or, or find something else to do with it. The larger plane is going to burn more absolute fuel, but less fuel per seat. Um, so one of the most interesting things about this whole announcement is that uh, they've positioned this new order. And rather than saying it's going to be more green, which it will, burn less fuel, which it will, be more reliable, which it will, uh, and even be more profitable, we'll see about that, the, the CEO has highlighted that this fleet upgrade is going to make for a better customer experience. And even focusing on the individual screens at each seat being great for families, which is kind of a big bet that they're going to make because most customers are bringing their own screens on board anyway, as we've talked about, um, rather than using the, the seat back screens. Um, anyways, so there is a, an extensive article at Forbes.com about this, uh, this order. So if you want to read that, go to the show notes. We'll put the link in there. But uh, hey, United is trying to compete with uh, everybody out there. We'll see how the low cost carriers will, will take this. Um, but they're trying to get into their markets with this order also. So for, for, forgive my naivety here. Uh, is some of this, though, the fact that essentially the fleet that they have now is so damn old that they're actually having to upgrade it because they've got no choice? They're not ridiculously. No, old. yeah, I they're mean, not. They're not terribly old, mm. as, as Carlos is saying. That it's. Uh, I mean, they're still working. They're 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 going to burn more gas doing this. It's just. Uh, the, the the most unique thing about this order is that they're replacing regional uh, jets. They're replacing another airline because because here in the U.S., United Mainline kind of goes hub to hub, maybe some outstations, but all the feeders are, are regional. You know, this could be uh, Mesa, it could be Air Wisconsin, it could be a smaller airline. And United is kind of, this order is really going to put a, uh, a dent into those airlines operations and and they're they're full part 121 airlines but we'll see what the labor unions really have to say about this is is the big the big thing that yeah I'm true taking away be interesting to see exactly yeah. how many of these aircraft will actually get delivered also worth saying uh john jester is saying in there that actually the if they're replacing the 50 seats uh the 50 seat jets then that makes sense. They are seriously old airframes now. Uh, oh, yeah. Air, their <laughs> the Airbus old... airframes are ancient. <laughs> yeah, the, the CRJ200, I don't think anybody ever liked. Uh, John Jester used to fly for uh, Air Wisconsin, and um, huh. Stephen Ivey used to fly the CRJ200. I don't yeah, think it's yeah. anybody's favorite. My brother used to fly the CRJ200 for for Com Air. And I, yeah. I think it's generally hated um, equally yeah. worldwide. Plus the fact, don't forget, these that these smaller aircraft are, are used so heavily, heavily used every day. True, and true. And the interiors have, get very worn, and yeah. you know they are. Yeah, yeah. Well, Captain Cruz is saying, as I say, John popped it up on screen a minute ago. Actually, saying their A three nineteen, A three twenty fleet is twenty to twenty five years old. Their seven three seven eight hundred are a mix, uh, but many are inherited from Continental and are also nearing twenty years of age. But then I suppose twenty years of age is it. Is that young, really that old young. an airframe these young. days, really? No, it's yeah. not. It's not terrible, but you know, like we were talking about with the engines, you know, you're talking about the the 
the Max, the 737 Max, and the A321 Neo, mm. the cost savings is, is is pretty significant. Yeah, no, that, that that's a fair point. And don't okay. forget as well, Mr. O'Leary says the Max are game changers. Anyway, uh, the next what, story, sorry? game changers. What are? Mr. O'Leary says apparently the Max. Game the the change, Max? Game changing. Really? Aircraft, yes, game oh, changing. Okay. Anyway. Good, good news. I know. The uh, Flight Global, this You're one right, comes Carlos. to us. Yes, do, I am. Do you need fine. the hug or something? No. <laughs> what, in this studio? <laughs> God, blimey. <laughs> Cold shower, I think. Um, this one comes from Flight Global, and uh, it's all about those amazing things that pilots absolutely love, uh, confusing no-tams. And uh, confusing no-tams led to overrun the 747 crew uh, to believe longer runway was unavailable. Uh, so this is an update to an investigation into a 747-400F uh, freighter, uh, which overran in 2018. So investigators probing the overrun that destroyed a Boeing 747-400F on the 7th of November 2018 at Halifax have highlighted the contribution of poorly presented NOTAM information to the accident. The safety hazard posed by complex and cluttered NOTAMs is an issue being tackled by an ICAO campaign uh, initiated earlier this year. Transportation Safety Board of Canada uh, says the Sky Lease Cargo's freighter's crew received 98 NOTAMs prior to departing Chicago O'Hare's for Halifax. 37 of these NOTAMs were uh, concerning Halifax. Uh, 22 were about runway 0523, um, referring to unserviceable navigation aids, runway lighting and displaced threshold due to work in uh, progress. Uh, 10 of the 22 runway no-tams contained repeated information with modifications but had to be compared with previous versions in order to identify any differences. All of the NOTAMs were presented in the sequence they were issued without being prioritised and all in a format containing entirely capitalised text. It is difficult to reliably ex extract the crucial information because of their presentation style using all capital letters and because their sequence in which uh, important approach and runway NOTAMs are not prioritised but buried among other information, the safety inquiry said. Those reading the NOTAMs must search backwards and forth to compare and extract the information in order to build a list of unavailable approaches uh, or runways. This extraction process elimination is uh, uh, usually performed mentally, increasing the risk of misinterpretation. Uh, mis My word. Uh, that's a long word. Uh, resulting in the crew, stop smiling, Matt, having an inaccurate mental model. Stop it. I can see you grinning. He's sitting next to me grinning here. Um, I deny everything. Reducing the crew's situational awareness adds to the inquiry. Uh, having read through the NOTAMs, the Skylease 747 crew concluded that no approaches or lighting were available for runway 0523, when in fact two, pro uh, two approaches involving NDB aids or lateral navigation were an option. The crew instead chose to conduct an RLS approach to Halifax's runway 14, which was shorter than runway 23, even taking into account the displaced threshold on 23. Investigators determined that the 747 was subjected to a tailwind during the approach, that's not always a good thing, uh, to runway 14, and that decisions including the use of a 
25 degree flap setting rather than a 30 degree flap setting further increased the landing distance. Complications during the touchdown included a deviation from the center line, a lack of crew focus on the deceleration, meant maximum braking was not applied until the aircraft was just 800 feet from the end of the runway. It overran and dropped over a steep slope, sustaining extensive damage, and three of the four uh, occupants received minor injuries. Uh, Important to note as well, this is not the only reason for the overrun, and a full overview of the incident is available at uh, the link which we're going to put in the show notes, which is from Flight Global. I mean, we've we've mentioned NOTAM several times before, haven't we? And I think Armando, you and I have had conversations where do you love NOTAM? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, obviously, I mean, obviously they're needed. I mean, there's no there's no two ways about it. I mean, this is crucial information, but surely to goodness there must be a a better way of presenting it. I mean, surely. I'm going to ask a quick question to Matt. What, what does NOTAM yeah, I mean? mean uh, I I don't know what no terms actually means, but it's something to do with the inform. It's to do with areas, uh, no fly areas, or areas where there's stuff going on. Is that correct? That you'll need to avoid. So part of it. Yeah, yeah. So in, information. In so like, if it's an air show, for example, then there's a cordon around it, and you're you're told that you're not. It's like a no fly zone almost. So, for certain yeah. That would be a that would be a very pertinent piece of information that a pilot would need. That's a lot of alliteration there, but. Uh, the the predominant like they're talking about the all the notams you're going to talk they're, they're unfortunately talking about unlit towers and cranes and yeah. sure they may, six miles from the end of the runway two miles to the right there may be a tower that was put up that is not lit and that's just filling you know we talked about this with bob vickery from the aib we talked about it with the guys from sky demon yeah it, it's just there has to be some new way to present no tam information and i get it like i i i especially when you are either rerouted to a new airport that you haven't really planned for or you're flying to your alternate you may have skimmed through the no tams all 37 of them for that airport but even then there's some uh air traffic control no tams and there's airport no tams and there's communication no tams and they're divided by section so they're not all presented in one cohesive way for your airport it depends on how your flight releases come along or come across but it's just such a terrible terrible way to present information that could potentially be crucial but it just gets buried into just trivial information about unlit towers and there's improper markings on taxiway whiskey whiskey you know, and it's just a, uh, uh, but that's that's a piece of information that's important to someone, right? Uh, but I don't know. There, there just has to be. We've talked about it. Yeah. With al- almost every every guest that has a potential to affect change. Yeah. In the no tam industry, we we've talked about it with them, and and I think it's just a a thorn in the butt for every single pilot yeah. out there. You try, and, and and the thing is, you know, like when you're flying. You know that if you mess something up and there was a no time about it, it's your ticket on the line. But mm-hmm. so, but um, so again, so I mean, uh, thank you to Captain Cruz who's very kindly pointed out or shared with me because uh, this lot were all busy mocking me for my terrible description here, but nobody actually said what it meant, and it is literally notice to airmen, literally. 
uh, or air personnel, oh, well, I should say. Oh, yeah, I suppose uh, we didn't answer the question. Yes. No, no, but that's fine. You, you, know, you, you, carry, you, you carry on. Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, and also, just... is, is it worth mentioning um, that, uh, you know, do we think now that there's a, ca- uh, you know, a crash attributed to poorly laid out no terms, do you think actually finally somebody might do something about it? That, there's been so many. Uh, really? So many mishaps and incidents where failure to read NOTAMs or incorrect uh, procedures have contributed. Very rarely do they cause a crash, but it's usually a contributing factor to a mishap. True. Um, you know, and, yeah. and like John was saying in our in our uh, our background info, it wasn't the sole cause for no know, to, for this mishap, but it, it is a contributing factor, and I think it has been for years and years and years. Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah, leave it there. Wait, let's uh, some uh, fingers crossed for some serious change. So, Matt, moving on to the yes, next story. Indeed, and, uh, this is an interesting one. Yes. Uh, so, Flight Global is our source for this story, and the headline is Alpa calls on the FAA to require secondary cockpit barriers. So, the largest U.S. pilots' union is urging the U.S. government to take additional steps to prevent passengers from gaining access to cockpits, saying a recent spike in air rage incidents signals need for better security. So, the Airline Pilots Association International. ALPA is calling on regulators to require that cockpits of passenger aircraft be equipped with secondary barriers, devices intended to block access when an aircraft's cockpit door is open. Such barriers include locked gates ahead of the cockpit door. Uh, ALPA has long urged regulators to require the secondary barriers, having taken up the uh, advocacy effort following the September 2001 U.S. terrorist attacks. Uh, The union's president, uh, Joe DePete, is now renewing calls for secondary barriers, citing increasing numbers of in-flight passenger disturbances. I urge the FAA to please stop stalling, DePete says on the 28th of June, during a virtual event hosted by the Aero Club of Washington. Regulators should require secondary devices to be installed on all new aircraft, and added to existing in-service aircraft, he said. Uh, News outlets have reported a number of recent incidences involving unruly passengers, including an early early June incident in which a passenger allegedly attempted to break into the cockpit of a Delta Airlines jet. The FAA has seen a recent significant increase in reports of unruly passengers, having received 2,500 such reports year-to-date through to 24th of May. Uh, Many of the incidents were related to the US government's requirement that passengers wear face coverings, the agency said. Uh, The FAA has responded by declaring a zero-tolerance policy for unruly and dangerous behaviour by passengers and by dishing out hefty fines. The agency did not respond immediately to questions about requiring secondary cockpit barriers. Additionally, DePete reiterated Alpa's recommendation that regulators require air cargo aircraft uh, sorry require cargo aircraft to have intrusion resistant cockpit doors, noting uh, cargo aircraft often carry some passengers. I mean I've got just, one simple thing. We're just for going this. back to the same argument, aren't we? It's like uh, you know Stop giving. Well, if you can't handle your air, you know your alcohol, don't give it to people in flight, or or in the airport. Sorry, that's probably the problem, isn't it? Electrify the door. Electrify the door. Two forty okay. volt mesh over the flight deck door. 
Right, okay. Anyone but, goes but, to But this it. whole thing of the second barrier, Armando, you may be able to chip in here, the whole thing of the second barrier. So you put a second barrier in, so you've already got the cockpit door, and somehow, I, I don't know how, but they've managed to breach that door. I mean, realistically, how many layers do you put in here to make it safe? I mean, surely the cockpit door would be enough to to yeah. to make it safe i mean what i mean what am i missing here <laughs> no it's it's an interesting point i don't i don't think there has been not that i know of a recent successful breaching of the cockpit door mm. uh, actually uh, i secondary cockpit barriers i've seen some designs uh, that are essentially why it's kind of similar to what carlos is talking about oh, really? it looks like, a, <laughs> like an electric it looks like an electric fence right uh, for a horse right like okay that. but it's a combination of barriers or wire mesh or something like that most designs that i saw were blocking the first class lav um, so i don't think that would make anybody happy no or <laughs> you, you know i don't know i it's just one of these things if it's coming from alpa it must have been, I assume it has been vetted by its members, which are professional airline pilots. So if someone is bringing it up from the from the uh, union to the FAA, then then surely there there may be a, uh, you know, a, a need for it that I, that maybe I'm not seeing. I'd love to hear the, the, what the chat room has. We have some yeah. professional pilots in there. The airplanes that I fly have a... a a curtain made out of paper mache and hot dog filler. So I think anybody could could probably break through it with just uh, breathing on it. Right. Okay. I mean, Richard, <laughs> Richard Adams is offering the obvious solution. Cattle prods would be cheaper than extra doors. I mean, there's definitely some oh, uh, said to that. Uh, the problem with that is you have two juvenile pilots up front that yeah. would take that cattle prod and just keep each other awake. True, or True. Just there to, is that. Yeah. Mess with each other. yeah, Richard Adams was saying, uh, John popped off just a moment ago, they'll need to shrink 1A, uh, haven't they? Are, have, are you sure they haven't? They've checked in with Nev because he won't be thrilled about that, obviously. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Yeah, if he had to... If if Nev had to navigate to the lab, like, uh, oh man, who what was, what was the show, the movie with uh, George Clooney, Catherine Zeta Jones? She has to go through the laser maze. Oh, um, it's not Batman, is it? No, is no, it no, 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 uh, no okay. not Resident Evil, is it? No, no. Um, anyway, chat room, think about it. <laughs> but if you remember Catherine Zeta Jones <laughs> navigating Jones. The, la- the laser maze. Uh, that'll right. be Nav trying to get to the oh, to the first yeah, class laboratory. Right. Okay, I mean, I I don't know. I, as I say, perhaps I'm missing something, which is why I'm asking the question. But uh, I I you know, surely the the sensible thing is is to have better <laughs> bits of you know bets, better bits and pieces on on the door itself because you know you're taking space away from other things. I, I, yeah, I, I think they're generally pretty secure. But but like yeah. I said, who who am I to? Uh, you know, to, yeah. to negate Actually, what Alpha has. <laughs> so has you can you can always rely on cabin crew here, right? So Owen's just said in the chat room, uh, how are the pilots going to feel uh, going through all the, all the hassle of another door to get to the toilet? I mean, it's yeah, a very right. important question. I mean, the, these are very important people at the end Especially of the day. Especially if, <laughs> if they've had the fish. Right, okay. What you, what well, you, you just have to bring back dodgy. the... <laughs> you have to bring back the relief tubes of World War Two. Mm. Oh, there's an image. Yeah, yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Lovely shewees and catheters. There we are. Shall we leave it there? I think we uh, we'll, yeah. there. We'll, we, we'll move on before we get even lower. Uh, Armando, oh, my. We, we haven't had a UAV uh, story on the show for a while. So, Armando, you've oh, yeah. uh, got this next one. 
Now, this is a bit of a techie story. So if you're not into that, go recharge your glass as you're listening to us. Uh, it'll take us about five and a half minutes to get through this. Uh, so this is from techexplore.com, which a team of researchers is uh, working at Johannes Kepler University, has developed an autonomous drone with a new type of technology that improves search and rescue efforts. In their paper published in the journal Science Robotics, which is where we get all our news, uh, the group describes their drone <laughs> modifications. Uh, Andreas Burke with uh, Jacobs University Bremen has uh, published a focus piece on the same journal outlining the work done by this team in Austria. So finding people that are lost or hiding in the forest <laughs> is difficult because of the tree cover. People in planes and helicopters have difficulty seeing through the canopy to the ground below, where people may be walking, they may be laying down, uh, or in the case of kids, when kids get lost, they just hug a tree. So they just uh, kind of hunker down. So the same problem exists for thermal applications, which are heat sensors. Uh, they can't pick up these, reading, these readings adequately through the forest's canopy. So efforts have been made to add uh, drones to search and rescue operations, but they suffer from the same problems because they are remotely controlled by pilots using them to search the ground below. In this new effort, Researchers have added a new technology that both helps see through the canopy and to highlight the people that may be under it. So this technology is based on what researchers describe as an airborne optical sectioning algorithm. How many times do we say algorithm on this show? Not very many. <laughs> it uses the power of It's a of good computer. word. It's a lovely word, isn't it? It is. I have a funny story about that that I'll tell you guys after the show. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> wow. So if, you're in the, in, if you're in the chat room, Ooh, hang out for a second. This means Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> what was that? I, I think Armando's uh, Alexa has gone nuts. <laughs> As a, I think Alexa's just gone crazy. Absolutely. Uh, um, uh, hello. You're. <laughs> Don't quit. Stop saying the word. Oh, what the word Alexa? Yes. Okay. Right. Oh dear. He's he is literally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he'll be back one in a minute. minute. He'll be yeah, back he'll be back in a minute. He's going. Okay. All right. Find the story. Ale Where was he? And Alexa the is shut down now. She's, she's <laughs> shut down the whole of the US. <laughs> there we go. Uh, where did, did Amanda yeah. go to? Uh, third paragraph, second line. I'm being told in my ear. Uh, so the second part of the new device uses the thermal imaging and uh, switching cameras. Sorry, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not that we've lost our way. Second You're part, right. yeah, sorry. Okay. Thermal images to highlight the heat emitted from a warm body. A machine learning application then determines if the heat signals are those of humans, animals, or other sources. The new hardware was then affixed to a standard autonomous drone. The computer computer in the drone uses both locational positioning to determine where to search and cues from the A AOS or ASOS A A AOS uh, uh, AOS sorry uh, and thermal sensors if a possible AOS sorry I'm being told in my ear and thermal sensors if <laughs> a possible match is made the drone automatically moves closer to a target to get a better look if the sensors indicate a match it sing signals the research team giving them the coordinates in testing their newly outfitted drones over 17 field experiments. The researchers found it was able to locate 38 out of 42 people hidden below tree canopies. That's pretty cool. That's a really cool, that's a really cool piece of technology, isn't it? And a cool looking drone as well. I want, I want to own one. I've decided. Yeah. Thank you, Matthew, for saving the day. Uh, as... My pleasure. What, <laughs> I, I have to ask what happened. 
So I don't know. I, I uh, as I read this drone story, uh, my friend John, who whose house I'm in, apparently started reading an audio book about like technology. So <laughs> there you go. So everything is interlinked. The Matrix, L lovely, uh, right? Yes, yes. What is it the Matrix? There was a glitch in the Matrix. I yes. read the story. The Matrix tried to reach out for us. We'll fix it in post, I'm sure, right? <laughs> no, I think it's staying, uh, to be fair. I think it's staying in. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, wow, very cool, very very spooky. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, I feel a bit spooky. sorry for Alexa if they're listening to, uh, you know, us. Stop saying it. God. What? People. I know, right? Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's yeah. A word hang is on, going hang on. off. Alexa, put pizza on the shopping list. <laughs> no? Okay. Uh, 10,000 so... 10, people just... Uh... <laughs> Yeah right. I love it. That's how we get our ratings up. Now, this, yeah. this um, is a, this is a great idea. I love this, especially yeah. if it's going to save lives. Yeah, this is important. So, I the reason this story is in here this week is because I've done a lot of search and rescue flying. Uh, John Jester uh, and I we met in the Civil Air Patrol. That's the largest air, aerial search and rescue organization here in the U.S. Um, similar to the Air Cadets, but the Air Cadets over there don't do uh, an operational mission. They do uh, training of the the next generation of uh, aviator and, and the youth. So here in the U.S., the Civil Air Patrol is charged with about 80% of the inland search and rescue. That's actually uh, an Air Force mission that they've delegated out to civilian volunteers. And this has always been a challenge for us to uh, search wooded areas, whether it's for a missing person, a missing child, or, or a vehicle or something like that. And increasingly, uh, we have we in the Civil Air Patrol have deployed more unmanned, more UASs, uh, our remotely piloted aircraft, whatever you want to call them, SUASs, and with uh, search and rescue capabilities. So this having an additional capacity on top of thermal imaging, which is kind of your traditional police camera, if you've ever seen like black and white footage of a police camera, that, that technology has been miniaturized onto uh, a UAS uh, level. And this uses an algorithm that is essentially determining what is a human signature from thermal data, uh, which is just a, a, a pretty significant step forward in uh, finding people that are lost. In I mean, it's the most incredible story, as you say, and it's technology doing its, its very best. But I'm afraid, Armando, you get one of these. Nerd alert! <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's because we said algorithm four times. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Don't say it again. Look what happened in your house last time. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. I'll put myself on timeout for the next yeah. few stories. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we're just uh, in the studio here. We've just received a, a picture from from Andy, um, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say. I don't think I'm allowed to show the picture, which I'm not going to. But uh, basically, he's sitting in the left seat of an aircraft with the caption underneath saying, "Lads, I need some help. I've forgotten how to do this." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's okay. This is this is the plot of airplane. So we'll right. just talk you down. Okay, we'll all go to the right. tower. Rapunzel, yeah. Rapunzel, the tower, the tower. Right. Uh, he's listening to the podcast live, so we'll just talk you down. Just yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, what happens when he loses like mobile phone signal? I mean, what you know, well, when, uh, when he's in the cruise? I mean, uh, what happens? Uh, that... That'd be like that, wouldn't it? Right, okay. Yeah. And, then, and then also what happens, I mean, do, who, who do we sue, for example? If it does go terribly wrong, who do we actually sue? If, if YouTube drops out like it has done like the last few weeks, I mean, you know, are they the ones responsible? I don't know. Uh, Complaints anyway. at APG.com. <laughs> it would be one of those situations, wouldn't it, where it would be, you, you must press the button, the 
Right. Button. Which good. button? The uh, it, button. Splendid. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. That, that yeah. That's good. Anyway, before we get sued by someone, shall sounds, we do, sounds shall like, we do sounds something? Sounds like a, a, a phone network we love in the UK here. Anyway, this uh, next Skoda story. Phone, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This uh, next story, because uh, I was... No 2. Is it No 2? might be No, no two. 2. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely No yeah. 2. Or One to No 1, as it one used to be. One to No 1, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, good. Right. So uh, <laughs> next month, I'll be celebrating my 21st birthday again. And uh, this uh, next story... 21 plus VAT, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. Just this next story comes from Reuters.com. Uh, and, uh, well, I would love to go into space at uh, my age, 21. Uh, but this trailblazing female pilot will go into space at the age of 82. You realise if you keep saying it, it doesn't become true, right? Know, I'm just checking. I know. <laughs> oh, well, I'd give to be old, uh, young again. Um, yeah. Amazon's billionaire founder, Jeff Bezos, will be joined by Wally Funk, one of the 13 women who was passed uh, by NASA's astronaut training program in the 1960s uh, on the first crewed flight into space from his rocket company, Blue Origin, later this month. Funk, who's 82, will be the oldest person ever to travel into space, uh, Blue Origin said in an announcement on Thursday. Uh, she said, uh, I didn't think I'd ever get to go up, uh, she said in a video posted on the company's website. Uh, Funk, then a 21-year-old pilot, was the youngest of 13 women who passed the same rigorous testing as the Mercury 7 male astronauts in NASA's program uh, that first sent Americans into space between 1961 and 1963, but were denied the chance to become astronauts themselves because of their gender. Uh, she was the first female flight instructor at a U.S. military base and the first woman to become an air safety investigator for the NTSB, or the National Transportation Safety Board. She is due to join Bezos' brother, Mark, and the winner of an auction aboard uh, the New Shepard rocket as it ascends more than 62 miles, or 100 kilometres, above the Earth into suborbital space. The passengers will experience a few minutes of weightlessness and be able to marvel at the planet's curvature through viewing windows before the pressurised passenger capsule returns to Earth under parachutes. Meanwhile, billionaire Richard Branson, spaceship company Virgin Galactic, said on Friday at last that it received approval from the US Aviation Safety Regulator to fly people into space, at turning up uh, the pressure on rivals in the nascent and expensive space tourism sector. The company confirmed that Richard Branson will travel into space on July the 11th, and I know that he's been putting that very, very rigorously on social media today on his Instagram page. Oh, is he? Right. Yeah, uh, which will see him beat Bezos into space by nine days. Oh. <laughs> and actually, if you look, if any of you guys and girls follow Richard Branson on Instagram, he actually posted a video this afternoon um, profiling the crew that he is intending on having with him on that flight, which right. is quite an interesting little video. So, uh, yeah, this is, um, this is awesome. 82 and going into uh, to suborbital space. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, good honour, I say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, well, well, I mean, as you say, it's a lifetime opportunity mm. and stuff. And, and I'm so pleased that, that somebody sort of perhaps later on in their life, who's clearly very fit, by the way, still you know, 82, I mean, put, yeah. probably put all of us to shame, frankly, in, in terms of, you know their athleticism, athleticism, and and things like that. I mean, you mm. know, it, it's it's a great story, and what 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 a story to tell the grandkids. 
Definitely. What yeah. a story. W- where's Nanny been today? Oh, been yeah. in space. Oh, she, went, she just went to space. space. You know, casually space. throw that in there. Anyway. Uh, good we, well, we wish them all the best for their, definitely. Uh, for their journeys. Yeah, we'll yeah. So, on. Matt. Yeah. Uh, well, this is an expensive story. Uh, well, yes, quite. Uh, and it's also got my favourite word in it, uh, but we'll gloss over that and move on. Uh, www.ainonline.com is the website, and the headlines is Bombardier snags 10 aircraft in a $452 million deal. So bombs. That is, a, that is quite a lot of money, isn't it? Yeah, Bombardier received its largest business jet order for the year thus far with a 10 aircraft deal valued at $451.8 million, according to current list prices. Yeah, but nobody ever pays the list no. price, do they? Anyway, the Montreal manufacturer announced yesterday uh, Bombardier did not disclose the customer, nor did it discuss the order mix, citing competitive reasons. But based on the amount cited, such a contract would support the purchase of three Challenger uh, 350s, five Global 5500s, or, or five, I don't know how, 5500s, I don't know, uh, and a pair of Global 7500s, for instance. Uh, CEO Eric Martel told analysts in May he was encouraged by improving order activity that uh, had started growing in January, but picked up notably in February and March and carried into the second quarter, Bombardier had achieved a book-to-bill ratio exceeding one-to-one in the first quarter. If plans for deliveries this year uh, to remain roughly flat from 2020 totals, which is uh, a good point, really. the current climate that we are all in, including the aviation industry... There's a lot of money being thrown around, a lot of orders being thrown around. Yeah, I, I suppose um, I suppose they've got to, though, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, this is the trouble. You're sort of, uh, well, you know, we're not going to be in this forever. And even if it, even I mean, goodness, God forbid, hopefully not. But even if it takes another two years before we're out the other side of this, you know, you've still got to be placing orders because you can't you know it's a bit like a car you can't order a car and drive it away that day can you no. i mean even if it you, you know and this is well, you can, it's in this right okay <laughs> uh but yeah but that's the thing isn't it so you 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 regardless of what's been going on right now you've still got to look to the future haven't you? do you know what my only to concern is though, Matt, yeah go on. is that you know you know when aircraft retire they go to these boneyards yes. and stuff and they get sort of put out to pasture as such yeah that with all these new orders, all these old aircraft will have to go somewhere. Right. And okay. the bo- boneyards, I mean, Armando, I think, will we'll agree, uh, the boneyards are fairly full right now. <laughs> oh, sure, but it's America. We've got a lot of desert. Good point, yeah. good point. <laughs> yep, now they can all go there. Yeah. And it's still it's still one of those places that I would tell you I would, I would sell a lot of things to go and right. just to be able to visit one of those boneyards okay. in the US. Right, fair enough. So cool, so cool. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Next story, Armando, you've got uh, this next one over your uh, neck of the woods. Yeah, this one for all of us that are in aviation or aviation enthusiasts, you're going to roll your eyes a couple times probably. Um, but there's a reason we put this in here. So from for, uh, fox46.com, which is a local news outlet here in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, an American Airlines plane traveling from Charlotte to Seattle this weekend experienced an emergency landing at Charlotte Douglas Airport, rattling some passengers aboard. Uh, Fox 46 spoke with one passenger who was on American 2775 on Sunday morning as the pilot reported an engine failure. She says 
uh, we're just about to get the wheels off the runway. We hear this huge pop and it sounded like either a tire blew or we hit a giant pothole. To be fair, there are no giant potholes at uh, Charlotte International. Um, <laughs> from row 28, this uh, young lady broadcast a Facebook live video as the aircraft was airborne. Oh, no. uh, she told uh, Fox 46 that she was planning for the worst. Uh, Casey, she uh, says in her live video, she said, Casey and I are on our flight and we have to do an emergency landing. If you could all please play for us with an engine malfunction on takeoff. We're on American Airlines headed from Charlotte to Seattle. Uh, that's a direct quote from the from her Facebook Live. So in a statement from the airline, American said that the aircraft was never in any danger and that the flight returned to Charlotte without incident and taxied to the gate. Um, for the passengers, including this young lady who did the post, uh, they said something between 15 and 30 seconds, something like that. We heard complete silence. Then the flight attendants, we saw them getting busy by going up and down the aisle pretty quickly. Uh, after landing in Charlotte, the couple boarded a new flight to Seattle with an appreciation for how emergencies in the air are handled. Uh, last Friday, a separate American Airlines flight had to circle back after it experienced an issue immediately after takeoff. Uh, American Airlines, according to the story, American Airlines jets, I'll correct that by saying all jets are designed to fly with one engine, <laughs> according to these experts, uh, in these specific situations. What pilots and rescue crews on the ground are concerned with is about the aircraft being able to stop on the runway, which is a fair uh, a fair comment. Uh, planes <laughs> traveling to the West Coast are typically filled with tens of thousands of pounds of jet fuel. Overweight landings can put extra stress on the tires, landing gear, etc. cetera. Uh, the full statement from American Airlines was yesterday, American 2775, a service from Charlotte to Seattle, returned to Charlotte shortly after takeoff due to a possible mechanical issue. The aircraft landed safely at 9.57 a.m. local time without incident and taxi to the gates. Uh, so there you go. Uh, what I want to stress is uh, that we are able in those situations to help other passengers that may be completely fearing for the lives. Uh, if you ever find yourself, if you're listening to the podcast, to this podcast, you probably know something about aviation. And perhaps you can be the person to help calm the fears of those people that think they're uh, potentially going to uh, experience their last couple minutes and tell them, it'll be okay, folks. The crew is trained <laughs> to do this. The aircraft emergency services are all trained to do this. It will all be okay. And uh, we'll see what happened with this particular, but um, it's actually a pretty common occurrence that uh, you precautionary shut down an engine. And it'll be perfectly fine. You may have to orbit a little bit around. Uh, you know, I don't know that they want to dump fuel over Charlotte, especially if they were going out to the West Coast. So the airplane's going to fly just fine and on one engine, and they're probably just burning off some gas. I saw another report that said they were orbiting for an hour. They weren't. It was like it was like 15 minutes. Probably felt like an hour, but it was like 15 minutes as they did a, a right turn to the downwind, right back to land at Charlotte. Question for you. Matt, sitting beside me here. Uh-oh. All the years that you've been on this show. Yes. And you've been on this show for a number of years now. Yeah, don't, 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 don't remind Yes. Okay. And you've obviously, you've learned <laughs> don't stuff. And you have please. learned stuff. I will just say this. He has learned things on this, since he's been yeah. on the show. Um, Where are we going with this? <laughs> no, and obviously we all, we all know that you're not, you're not a massive fan of, of getting on the, um, 
the aircraft no, as such. No, uh, it, but is, do, it is do, amusing do you that think with, I'm involved in an aviation podcast and I know. have almost no interest in do aviation. Do you think, though, yes, with that, your... The irony isn't lost, yes. With your... <laughs> with what you've learned since you've been on the show and yeah. obviously with what you've learned from our, our awesome Armando here sitting here... Yeah. Um, do you think that if you had an incident where, say, an engine had to be shut down in flight and you were on that aircraft, would you be less worried than what you would have been prior to being on this show? So, uh, short answer to that. So, I'm on, I'm under. Forgive my naivety here, but, but presumably, if an engine was shut down for some reason, I mean, that's not something that you would necessarily announce over comms, surely. Now the the crew's pretty busy. The crew's pretty busy up front. They're gonna yeah. try to troubleshoot. The flight crew, the cabin crew, would certainly notice it uh, because they know exactly what sounds normal, what doesn't sound normal, yeah, yeah, yeah. what feels normal. So if you're if you happen to be sitting in 11F, which is the exit row, and you're facing one of the cabin crew, yeah. perhaps you'll see a little bit of an eyebrow raise from them. Um, right. Going, so w- uh-huh. you would feel it. You would certainly feel it. Yeah. I mean, as would, a, as as a layman, I probably wouldn't notice. It yeah. If, would the average person be yeah. able to feel the difference between an engine shutdown and but, a strong wind gust? Probably not. No. But in 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 an effort to be uh, transparent, the crew would announce, "Hey, we've we've had an issue." And, and this is probably going to go to the cabin crew first, right? Because that's the most important thing is get the cabin crew ready for their trained emergency procedures. And then if you get around to it, somebody puts an announcement out on the PA right. uh, pilot flying or pilot monitoring hmm. uh, puts an announcement out to the PA uh, to the passengers saying, Hey, we're going to return because we've had an engine failure. Okay. So in answer to your question, then Carlos, if, I was made aware that we were only flying on one engine. Given what I know now, my reaction would be, oh, okay, not ideal, but hey. As where, if you asked me this, what, six years ago? If you asked me that question six years ago, yeah. I would have probably... I'd have probably just gone quiet, gone mm. pale. I mean, I, it wouldn't be the greatest news I'd ever heard if I if I'd been informed that there was a Tony S yeah. says he thinks that you are a closet aviation expert. A closet. <laughs> I mean, you know, we we can have a conversation about a closet if you like. But... And Richard Adams, Richard Adams is is adamant that uh, you'll be calmer still after your first skydive. After my right, okay, we, we still on that, are we? Right, okay. I thought that died. <laughs> they will never Carlos. forget. Yes, yes, Armando. Carlos, I'll, I'll actually return that same question to you. So, would you be trying to figure everything out, knowing what noises are normal and not normal? Would you actually be more nervous, knowing that something is not right? I don't. I would. I be. I don't think I'd be nervous, but I would be. I'll be one of the. In my head, I'll be wanting to go up and help. If that sounds weird, Carlos, you going? No, <laughs> you requesting a cockpit visit during an emergency is not going to help the crew. All right, I need, I to, I need to put that out there straight away. But I've flown I, it on the sim no, no, at home no, no, I, so many I, times. The sim is not the same. Uh, weirdly, one of the, actually one thing I will I will take away from the fact that you know obviously having been on on this show mm. is. Uh, 
I am because of the the conversations we've had with Armando. Mm. We've been lucky enough to have in depth conversations with the likes of Captain Jeff and Captain Al. and Captain Al and mm. Rick and and all these amazing, you know, senior pilots. Um, and the one thing that I do know is that when they're in that, the people in that cockpit are the most well trained people you will ever mm. come across. So, like, you know, if anybody can get, because let, let's be honest, they don't want to die either, you know. So it's just like, <laughs> True. you know, they're, cle- yes, yeah, they're clearly going to, you know, if, if they, um, they're not going to. Thank you, Matt. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. You know, you know self preservation is a real thing, even if you're oh, a pilot, dear. you know. But, but genuinely, that's the one thing. So, the one thing I have learned from here is that, you know, I know how hard it is to get in the cockpit uh, in the first place as a pilot. Uh, if nothing else, the financial commitment, but we'll gloss over that and move on. Uh, you know, so so actually, no, I I would be confident that the people who are in that in that cockpit, what have you found now? Lane is in the chat Oh, room. is he? Oh, yes, no. he's back. <laughs> oh, where have you been, by the way? Where have I want, you been, I, Lane? I, yes, I was going to say, I want your excuse report, please. L- Lane's asking what this is. <laughs> What, what, what on you? Yes, yes. Well, we we have many we have many questions, uh, but <laughs> yes. Matt Matt said that he's got one. I need to get one, so I got one. Yeah, mine's a full on beard though. You see, it's just, yeah. but anyway, and right. let's let's not get started on our Mondays. Anyway, <laughs> it's moving, a fabulous beard. Yeah. Moving on, okay. we're, being, uh, we're being told we're off, being off told in our ears, on, people. We need we're to move waffling, on. Okay. <laughs> so this one comes to us from the flyer.co.uk. Uh, take flight pair set new UK county record. So the irrepressible boss of Take Flight Aviation, Mike Roberts, has been out settling a or setting another world record with fellow pilot Nick. Rogers. The pair set a new record for most UK counties visited in a 24-hour period early this month. The record has yet to be confirmed by the Guinness Book of World Records. Uh, Mike Roberts said Nick, who is a commercial pilot, has had plenty of time on his hands during lockdown, so he enjoyed planning the challenge while furloughed. Uh, Apparently he just showed up for the fun bit. Uh, mm-hmm. The pair also hold the record, a uh, world record, for the most countries visited in a day by an aircraft, set in 2019, when they landed in uh, landed at 16 European destinations in one day. Wow, that's not bad going. Um, this time, they started at Perth Airport in Scotland at 3.55am. My word, that must have been chilly. And made their way south. Uh, they eventually stopped at Newquay in Cornwall, lovely part of the country. That it is a lovely part eighteen of the hours later at nine fifty p.m., making a total of fifty full stop landings in fifty different counties in the UK. Poor weather and low cloud in southern Scotland, surprise, surprise, and northern England meant they were forced to drop two airfields and another in Wales was missed due to time constraints. Uh, Airfields visited ranged from international airports like Birmingham, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Presswick and Liverpool, down to farm strips and everything in between. The plane landed with only minutes to spare as the airfield had to be clear uh, from 10pm. It was closing the following day for G7 arrivals. Nick Rogers said that most uh, of the people were contacted. Uh, They were incredibly supportive, and it's a shame we couldn't stop and chat for more than a few seconds on the ground. We even had an enthusiastic chap turn out at 4am in the morning to greet us at one of our first landing sites. 
Many of the airfields waive their normal landing fees and the pair are donating the equivalent amount of money to various air ambulance charities across the UK. Very good charity that, hoping to raise around £1,000. The aircraft used was a Cessna 172 Skyhawk, awesome aircraft, operated by Take Flight Aviation, which is now based at Enstone Airfield. The company allows members to hire the aircraft with no minimum daily hours requirement, which means club members can explore new destinations cost-effectively and take the aircraft away for a day or weekend or even a week and only pay for the hours they fly. Armando, what do you think of that then for, uh, obviously, uh, guys here in the UK? Well, it's an amazing feat because it's not... uh, (laughs) Airports in the UK are not public use or public airports like they are here in the u.s so just the logistics that probably went into planning this mission uh is impressive alone to be able to plan these airfields contact the operators make sure that you have enough time to land pay your landing fee if they even charge it to you and 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 do the flight planning around such congested airspace like we were talking about a couple episodes ago Um, really kind of an impressive feat you know the the distances aren't aren't tremendously great, but but uh, if anybody ever gets a chance to fly in the UK, it's so unique for general aviation that that you should definitely do so. This is a, a pretty impressive feat, I, I think. I, I'm I, impressed. By I it. bet some of the airports charged a landing fee. Oh, I bet you they did. <laughs> <laughs> I found out because remember, like we don't have that here in the US, at least not You've for general aviation. Fees. Oh wow. No, we don't have it for general aviation. Okay. It, the there's a landing fee for like a seven thirty seven if you come in, um, <laughs> but uh, general aviation all, almost everything ninety five percent is public use and even then like you don't have to pay for anything, and uh, and I did find out that they will track you down because I landed at one airport in the UK and I I didn't know about this so I just kind of landed <laughs> walked around for a little bit wow. came back nobody briefed me on it and like I always said I'm. I'm from Washington, like I'm a Puerto Rican from Washington, D.C., but with a Texas accent on the radio in the U.K., you can get away with a lot. <laughs> and uh, But they eventually did track down the tail number and, and uh... to the place that I was running from. And, and it was that it was that cub that uh, that was there in Bury St. Edmunds. But they eventually <laughs> tracked me down and I, and I just, you know, mea culpa and I paid them the 20 pounds or whatever. Wow. <laughs> Goodness me. That's I, I mean I I mean I I feel like I, I need to apologize to Armando for that I I, I don't know speaking out you know as a, as an English person here in the UK I've I almost feel ashamed that you were put through that frankly Richard had to oh, say no, it's... oh Richard had to say fuel availability often varies massively from field to field and week to week yeah. agree great planning and is prices really going as well. back to the story prices, prices as well oh wow lot. okay yeah definitely yeah yeah yeah. 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 Well, there we go. Okay, we'll move on to the next story now. And uh, it's Flight Global is the source again here. Convertible air uh, air car, <laughs> careful, uh, vehicle carries out flight between uh, Slovakian airports. This is quite cool. Uh, creators of a road vehicle which can transition to an aircraft have carried out a, de- a de- developmental flight between airports in Slovakia, operating a 35-minute sortie from uh, Nitra to the capital 
Bratislava. 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 Very Bratislava. Well done. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, the Klein Vision Air Car, which has already completed uh, over 40 hours of test flights, carried out the intercity operation on the 28th of June. After landing, at a click of a button, the aircraft transformed itself into a sports car in under three minutes, says the developer. The wings fold upwards and then rearwards, and the twin boom tail also retracts. Uh, during the conversion uh, arrival of the aircraft uh, Oscar Mike Kilo Lima Zulu uh, brought the 100 brought to brought to 142 the number of landings achieved the vehicle was subsequently driven to downtown Bratislava by the inventor uh, Professor St- uh, Stefan Klein uh, this flight starts a new era a new era of dual transportation vehicles says Klein adding that it returns the freedom originality originally att- attributed to cars back to individuals uh, powered by a BMW engine delivering 160 160 horsepower, that doesn't seem like a lot, uh, to a fixed propeller. The initial prototype of the air car is fitted with a a ballistic parachute. The test flight program has included operating to altitudes of 8,200 feet and speeds of 103 knots and featured uh, 45 degree banking. Uh, The Slovakian-based Kleinvision says the inter-airport flight moves the vehicle closer to production. A second prototype will have a more powerful 300 horsepower engine and a variable pitch propeller and be capable of 540 nautical miles in range and a cruising speed of 162 knots. Uh, This pre-production version will be submitted for European Union Aviation Safety Agency certification and approved for road use. Aircar is no longer just a proof of of concept says Klein Vision, who's the co-founder, um, or says Klein Vision's co-founder Anton Zajac. Uh, it has turned science fiction into a reality. Would you want one, Matt? An air car? A car? You know? Honestly, I mean, it would, it would cut down a hell of a lot on the traffic issues that we're currently experiencing here in East Anglia with the amount of roadworks going on everywhere. Uh, no, is okay. my answer to that. <laughs> Actually, I think one of these would be ideal for Armando, because I know, Armando, this would be immensely beneficial to you in the US. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You, do, you would never have to worry about renting the crew car. Because <laughs> when you land somewhere, it's a, always hit or miss, whether you get a 1995 Ford Crown Victoria as a crew car or a, you know, 2020 Audi A8 or something. So now, weird, now weirdly, there is a picture here that we've got that, that, I mean, it's not as awful as I expected. It doesn't look too if bad. I'm, if I'm honest, I, 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 I had a, I mean, it's, I mean, they said you know, sports car. If you, I mean, if you really go up to the EAA car. Museum in Oshkosh, there is a, there is a 1949 aero car. Uh, that's sitting there it was uh it actually flew and i think the first flying car was actually in 1946 charles charles Lindbergh flew one in 1950 it was called the air Fibian. wow so this is not a new thing no. but maybe they can make it work i don't know we'll see i mean certainly from the front it looked great it really does look like a sports car um mm. and then unfortunately you've got all these 
you know, the the, the, the other <laughs> bits. Other bits that, yeah, yeah that, that, that are essentially kind of make it fly. Yeah, 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 absolutely, yeah, the yeah. bits that make it fly, um, which sort of yeah. spoil the aesthetic, if I'm, a, if I'm a little unfortunate. <laughs> I think it's being followed by like a Piper Cherokee 140 <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, just in case. Yeah. It's imagine it's got par- parachutes and all that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, I, I, sure, why not? Um, the other thing that I would I would say as well is it would be a real bugger to get in your garage. Right. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I know that our, our US um, friends obviously their garages are a heck of a lot bigger um, than our. Yes. I mean, I don't think it would go into your garage, for example. No. I mean, <laughs> no. I mean, if nothing else, you'd have nowhere to steer your dis- you know sort of store your disco gear. Exactly, uh, you know, yes. um, and and uh, you probably need a much taller roof, for example. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, many many other things like that. I don't even yeah. think that would fit in the driveway. Indeed, indeed. Okay. So Armando, uh, this uh, last story, we're going over to uh, Canada for this next one. Yeah, you bet. So Matt's going to play this video out while I read the story. This is actually coming from AirlineWatch.com. On June twenty third, Air Canada premiered what they're calling Ode to Camera. It's a new onboard pre-flight safety video set in some of the country's more spectacular and iconic locations. Now, this new video coming to uh, seat back screens near you takes customers on a stunning journey across Canada while depicting in unexpected ways the safety features of each aircraft. Uh, According to Air Canada, they say Air Canada's new Ode to Canada safety video is a celebration the best of Canada from coast to coast to coast, including our own uniformed employees who are responsible for the safety of every Air Canada flight. Our new video represents all aircraft safety instructions in a compelling associative way by drawing on some of our country's most spectacular scenery and visually connecting viewers to each province and territory through all four seasons. It has been almost seven years since we last produced a safety video in choosing to feature Canada, we are also aiming to provide a warm welcome to Canadians traveling home from abroad and inviting all of our customers to join us in exploring everything that Canada has to offer in support of the country's tourism and hospitality sectors. You guys, if you're listening to the audio podcast, you can go on YouTube and find it from Air Canada, or you can come over to our uh, our YouTube page and come check it out here. But let's listen to a little bit of it. Seatbelt and no smoking signs are located throughout the aircraft. Please comply with them at all times. I mean, uh, one thing I will say, all of these, they, they, uh, I just like the BA ones. They're always filmed so beautifully, aren't they? Mm. Was it Air New Zealand that did a similar one where it was sort of featuring the, the beautiful landscapes of New Zealand and, and stuff like that? Am I speaking out of time? Yeah, I think so. It's, uh, it's I a beautiful think, yeah. thing. I think yeah, we need we need to go and visit Auntie Liz. We do and, uh, sample so. some of these. Um, my these cousin lives awesome in Yellowknife, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember my cousin? Mm, yeah, we had him on the show. We did. A yeah, long yeah, while yeah ago. we were. Yeah, that was in the conservatory. Yeah, that, that was, was it. Yeah. All those years ago. Yeah, we'll have to have him on again to talk about what he's been up to lately. Yeah, yeah. He flies. Uh, he flies in like sort of was it Alaska and places like that, mm. wasn't he? Uh, you 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 you'd love to hear his stories, Armando. You really would. Oh, kind of deflating to climb a rock and find a uniform flight crew. At a good point, yeah, good point. Well made. Thanks, Lane. It's, you know, I've missed Lane. Where has he been? I mean, it looks really. <laughs> cold. Where's my notes? Really cold. I still there. want a note, by the way, Lane. Where is your excuse? <laughs> 
<laughs> it lo looks really cold in, in various parts of this video, but I'll tell you what, you could have a really good proper snowball fight there. Right, okay. Shall we move on? Um, okay. I think we're done. Uh, <laughs> okay, so we're going to go to so, caption this now, I believe. Uh, this week, as always, uh, a certain Carlos, whose, ca whose camera is on him, so you talk. You, oh, okay. You yeah. Um, yeah, for those of you who follow us... <laughs> While I find the picture, go on. <laughs> for those of you who follow us on social media, will know that every Wednesday we do our caption this picture. We put a picture up on uh, our Facebook page, and uh, we ask you guys and girls to send your... Uh, humorous captions to said photo. Uh, we've had loads of interest again this week. It's a very popular part of the show. We are glad we brought this in. And uh, this week's picture, uh, what would you say, Armando? Give us your rough um, guesstimate of what this fo photo uh, shows, just for those who are listening to the audio podcast. Well, if you were to mix Airport 77 with uh, uh, <laughs> Bill Paxton's Twister, this, this is what this would be. Right, now, this is a 747 taking off from a runway with what appears at least an F2, F3 tornado in the background. <laughs> so I think, I think any American Airlines pilot probably experiences this uh, on a monthly basis into and out of Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, or, or really anywhere out, out west. But uh, yeah, that's pretty much what it is. It's that uh, the aircraft is at the departure end of the runway. The tornado is touching down at the arrival end of the runway. So, do, do, would, you, would you say that's a tailwind, Armando? Well, I guess on on one side of the runway it's a tailwind; the other side is a is a headwind. <laughs> a two hundred mile per hour. I'm, I'm, I'm too. Actually, when I when I first saw this picture, I thought I wonder whether the AN two two five had flown over, right? Um, yes. On full pelt, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, yeah. It knocked yeah. over the but, sky this time. with the smoke. I mean, with yeah. just the black smoke. Yeah. Uh, Shall so, we read some of the captions? We have. Indeed, um, yes. I'll kick off with Glenn. Glenn says, Captain, uh, Captain, to, uh, Captain says to First Officer, I bet we can run outrun this tornado, but if we can't, then it was nice knowing you. Oh, dear, that's a bit, Very good. It's a bit dark, <laughs> isn't it? Dirk says, I told you uh, to take this meta class, uh, but of course meta. you wouldn't. The meta class, but of course you wouldn't listen to me. That's <laughs> a meteorological chance. Oh, is yeah. it? Oh, yeah. I see. Good, right. yeah. oh, I should know that, really. One of my I friends know. is an actual is, meteorologist. Yeah. Yes. I'm on see, Jeff Jeffrey sends in, in your best, ca your best calm captain voice over the intercom, you say, good news, everyone. This tailwind will have us at our destination. In record time. <laughs> uh, John says, think you can outrun a twister? You have 15 seconds to comply. Right. Yes. Okay. James says, uh, when the captain's girlfriend calls to say she's home alone and just wants to... Oh, I'm, I'm going to stop reading there. <laughs> Moving on. Next. <laughs> you get the gist. Well, this one's not that, that much better. Brent <laughs> says, when your rubber dog... From Hong Kong <laughs> has guaranteed two day prime. Good point. <laughs> Daniel says, oh, blimey. Yeah, don't say that word. Daniel we'll says, uh, Daniel says, I'm getting the heck out of here. Yeah, indeed. Matt, not me, says, and if you look out of your left window, you'll see no right window, no left window. Um... <laughs> I like that. <laughs> oh, gosh. From friend of the show, Stephen, making fun of another friend of the show, Rick. After breaking wind, oh, oh. oh my. I, was, I would have said Captain Al as well. <laughs> Captain Al, yeah, very yeah. much so. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Stephen says, uh, "Oh, he says send it after that." <laughs> and uh, and oh, finally, Micah. Uncle and Uncle Micah says, uh, "Those wingtip ver uh, is it vertices? Vortices? Uh, vortices? Are, uh, those wingtip vortices are bigger than I thought." <laughs> 
<laughs> You're not kidding. As you say, I, I, I like your one with you know with a with a certain Russian aircraft flying there with all the black smoke and everything all pouring out. It's Alex, uh, Alex yeah. Robinson. Yeah, there's, there's some good ones in the chat. Oh, let's see. Okay, yeah, come, come on, on. Uh, go on the Pop up on screen, John. Let's let's see. Him. Let's see. So so Richard Adams says V1 deploy chemtrails. <laughs> I like uh, that. Let's see from Dirk. It says uh, tornado sharks on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Miles High says tornadoes on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Miles High, if a Ryanair tornado, probably a rough landing. Oh damn! <laughs> uh, and then Alex Robin says, uh, uh, after then landing, after then landing tornado, line up and wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? That's funny because that's probably what the what the tower would say they'd be like yeah, hey yeah. you have the tornado in sight in sight okay clear for the guy from one two three uh, go, go, uh go. armando do uh, take what dirk's one there he's got a good one there uh after do after v2 comes v3 vertical rotation <laughs> right okay <laughs> <laughs> what was miles high other one there sorry uh climb baby yeah, climb. Climb, baby. Uh, lane street is also saying i thought you meant uh uh a pan of uh, panavia a, a panavia tornado, tornado. <laughs> Wow. Okay. That was good this week. That was good this week. Well done, everyone. Uh, Don't forget to check out uh, our Facebook page. If you don't follow us already, uh, go over to Facebook and give our page a like, and you'll find those posts on there on a Wednesday. Uh, So check out those. And, uh, yeah, we'll feature you on the show next week. So make sure you uh, check us out on there. Indeed. So we're going to hand things over, I think, uh, to Armando for the next part of the show. We have plenty of time. Matt, if you're ready, hit the button. Okay, guys, for this first uh, military story, it's not, uh, we're still developing the story, so we're probably going to bring it to you again next week. But kind of breaking news, uh, just uh, in the past couple hours or past day, a Belgian F-16 fighter has crashed into a building after the pilot lost control. That's according to a report. The jet was said to have experienced, quote, problems during takeoff at Louvarden Air Base. Uh, This is in the Netherlands, I believe. And... uh, Emergency services have rushed to the scene, large numbers, after the incident was reported at 9.22 in the morning. The pilot was taken to hospital with an injured leg, according to some reports, while another Belgian soldier, oh, sorry, uh, Belgium, not uh, not the Netherlands, uh, another Belgian soldier was uh, nearby and also taken to hospital as a precaution. Now, according to these reports, the fighter jet uh, went several meters into a building but no one was inside that building at the time uh, on thursday morning the incident took place with an f-16 at louvarden air base uh, that's according to the dutch air force um they are telling the uh the nl netherlands times i assume um, they are currently assessing the situation they're going to find out more and uh we'll try to bring this to you next week but whatever it was it seems like it was a probably either a taxi out or a takeoff or some or not a takeoff but some kind of maintenance procedure gone terribly wrong so we'll bring that back to you next week um but for this uh, first military story we're going to move on so colombian president ivan duque's helicopter was hit by gunfire uh this helicopter was carrying the president as it flew near the border with venezuela uh, the president was flying towards cucuta in the uh, norte de santander province 
alongside the defense minister, the interior minister, and the province's governor. A, a spokesperson for the presidency said that no one was hurt during the incident. Uh, Mr. Duque denounced the, uh, the uh, attack as a cowardly attack. He said he was not frightened by violence or acts of terrorism. Our state is strong and Colombia is uh, strong to confront this kind of threat, he said in a video uh, address that he posted on Twitter. So security forces are under orders to find those responsible, according to the president. Nobody was hurt under the in the incident. A local newspaper, Semana, uh, reports that the occupants heard a noise as if something had hit the engine just as the helicopter was coming in to land. Uh, for now, the leftist uh, National Liberation Army or the Ejército de Liberación Nacional, ELN, uh, they're the ones that are operating in the Catatumbo region, which spans the Colombia-Venezuela border. So this could have gone really, really bad from the pictures that Matt was uh, showing up there it seemed like most of it was small arms fire i would assume just kind of rifles or something like that and it went through the carbon composite but uh but it, it did hit the the tail section the tail boom which has a lot of critical parts on a black hawk and this was a, a, a h60 black hawk so i'm uh, glad that didn't turn out to be uh, uh worse another shooting that happened and Ethiopian Air Force C-130 was shot down by a paramilitary rebel group. This uh, Hercules was shot down by the, the Tigray People's Liberation Front on June 23rd uh, near Gijet in the Tigray region, uh, killing dozens of people on board. The C-130 uh, transport aircraft belonging to Squadron 15 at Deborah Zeit Airbrace uh, was reportedly transporting explosives and ammunition in addition to personnel to an unknown destination. The paramilitary rebel group in Ethiopia claimed responsibility for the shootdown of the aircraft. Uh, this aircraft in particular was donated to the Ethiopian Airport, Air Force by the United States in 2014. Uh, this uh, paramilitary rebel, rebel group is uh, fighting against the current Ethiopian government. This contract, uh, conflict between the TPLF and the Ethiopian Air Force began in November after the TPLF reportedly attacked a national military base. Now, two totally different outcomes to, to different shootings uh, at aircraft or military aircraft, which um, just kind of, I don't know, highlights the, the danger of some of this military aviation stuff that, that we follow, isn't it? Mm, that's terrible news. There's, there's also lots of pictures and stuff on social media, the crash, obviously. But um, yeah. loss of life is never a good thing. So let's go from the explained to the unexplained. Problems. Yeah, we should be queuing up the X Files music for this next one. Oh and no, I did that do, once, do, 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 and we we got emails and told oh, off, we did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Jeez, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, this one comes from theconversation.com, dot com, and the Pentagon report says UFOs can't be explained, and this admission is a big deal. A report from the U.S. Task Force uh, dedicated to the investigation of USO, uh, UFOs, or in the official jargon, UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, has neither confirmed nor rejected the idea such sightings could indicate alien visits to Earth. On Friday, the 25th of June, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence, or ODNI, released its eagerly awaited unclassified intelligence report titled in, uh, Preliminary Assessment, 
unidentified aerial phenomena. The document is a brief nine-page version of a larger classified report proved uh, provided to uh, the Congressional Services and Armed Services Committee. Um, it assesses the threat posed by unidentified aerial phenomena and the progress of the Department of Defense Identified Aerial Phenomena Task Force has made in understanding this threat. The report uh, certainly doesn't uh, uh, does not, as many were hoping, conclude UFOs are alien spacecraft. Rather, it shows the task force hasn't made much progress since first being set up ten months ago. Perhaps this is unsurprising given its task. However, the task force's very existence would have been unthinkable to many uh, people just one year ago. It's unprecedented to see the broader policy shift towards the acknowledgement of UFOs as real, anonymous physical uh, physical and phenomena that are worthy of extended scientific and military analysis. The report withholds specific details of uh, data samples, which uh, consists of 144 UFO reports made by mostly military aviators between 2004 and 2021. Its bombshell finding is that a handful of UAPs appear to demonstrate advanced technology. They should see this studio then. Uh, Mm -hmm. This handful, 21 of the 144 reports, represents a classic UFO enigmas. Uh, These objects uh, appeared to remain stationary (laughs) in winds aloft, move against the wind and manoeuvre abruptly or move at considerable speed without discernible means of propulsion. In a similar number of cases, military aircraft systems possess radio frequency or RF energy associated with the UAP sightings. These characteristics indicate some UAPs may intelligently be uh, be intelligently controlled because they aren't blown around by the wind and electromagnetic as they emit radio frequencies. In March, former director of national intelligence John Ratcliffe told Fox News that some reports describe objects travelling at speeds that exceed the sound barrier with a sonic boom. Uh, sonic booms are sound waves generated by objects breaking the sound barrier. Now, uh, not uh, known or not, no known aircraft, I should say, can travel faster than sound without creating a sonic boom. NASA is currently developing a quiet supersonic technology. Be interesting to see that, which may allow planes to break the sound barrier while issuing subdued sonic thump. So UFOs, Armando, obviously you've spent the most time out of all of us in the air. Um, How many UFOs have you seen flying around you since your flying day started? One for me, two for my dad. Cool. And my dad was a was an airline pilot in the Caribbean. Luis Luis Caceres, who uh, is a supporter of the show, um, he is uh, familiar with Prunair Airlines and uh, Puerto Rico International Airlines. And my dad told me two stories about just this lights in the sky in the middle of the night over the Caribbean. And they said at the time, this was the 80s. At the time, they just didn't report it to anyone because they they would just label them as loony. So if I was if I was the office of the director of national intelligence, basically their <laughs> their report just says, I don't know. <laughs> it just says shrug emoji. <laughs> yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, <laughs> Miles High says in the chat room that the report was pure government Bravo Sierra. Oh right, okay, mm. good, lovely. We'll see. It will see. Indeed, yeah. indeed. If you if you see that documentary Independence Day with Will Smith. 
Oh, I mean, yes. That's the real oh, Yes. That is my favourite film of all Brilliant time. Brilliant documentary. Do you know, man. I think, do you know, I, I haven't seen the Age. I'm going to buy, but I, and I love the second one as well. I don't care what anyone says. Mm. I enjoy both of them. They were great documentaries, yeah. They oh, were great documentaries, yeah. absolutely, 100% agreed. Shall we move on? <laughs> uh, let's bring it back to Earth. Yeah, Matt, uh, bring us back to Earth. Yeah, indeed. Uh, this is on the Aviationist website, and the headline is, It's official now. Switzerland has chosen the F-35s as the next Swiss Air Force fighter. So the Swiss Federal Council announced Lockheed Martin's F-35 Lightning II is the, um, I assume that's two and not 11. Have I, have I, I... Yes, two. That yeah. is the Lightning yeah, yeah, two. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Is the aircraft well done, selected from its new fi- from its new fighter aircraft competition? It won against the Dassault Raphael Dassault. Uh, oh, the Dassault. I do that every time, don't I? No. Oh, so <laughs> close. I give with one hand. I take away take with the other. The other. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it won against the Dassault Raphael oh. Raphael Raphael. Yep, good enough. Okay. Raphael, lovely Eurofighter Typhoon and the Boeing Super Hornet. As some insiders had already revealed last week, the F-35 has won the Swiss evaluation to find a replacement for the F-5 Tiger and the F-18 Hornet jets currently in service with the Swiss Air Force. As a consequence of the Air 2030 evaluation programme, the Federal Council has decided to procure 36 F-35As. The Federal Council will ask Parliament to procure 36 F-35A fighter aircraft from the US manufacturer Lockheed Martin and the procurement of five Patriot fire units uh, from the US manufacturer Raytheon. Don't they make graphics cards? No, perhaps just me. Uh, In the evaluation, the two systems achieved the highest overall benefit and at the same time the lowest overall cost. The Federal Council is convinced that the two systems are best suited to protecting the Swiss population from airborne threats uh, in future as well. It made the decision at its meeting on the 30th of June 2021, says an official Swiss MOD statement. The Swiss Federal Council based its decision on the extensive technical evaluation, which included four candidates for a new fighter aircraft, the Eurofighter Typhoon, the Dassault Rafale, the... um, Uh, Boeing Super Hornet and the Lockheed Martin F-35. Interestingly, the F-35 scored first also in terms of cost. According to the Swiss MOD, the Lightning was the aircraft with the highest overall utility and by far the cheapest. Uh, Very interesting indeed. That's, um, I mean, it's a a well-known aircraft. I mean, it's... uh, Presumably, that's one of the reasons where they're going. Why they're going down that route is it perhaps plenty of support? Yeah, I think I think commonality is mm. uh, a big thing. Mm. So, especially among the allied nations, I think having a similar platform where you can share not just training but tactics, uh, techniques, and procedures (TTPs) as we say uh, amongst all the your your partner nations. I, I think so many people are going with the F-35. It's a bit like the F-16, right? Like in the 80s, the F-16 and the F-15 was promulgated out to our, our partner nations. Um, similarly, like whether you're you're in the Eastern Bloc or, or wherever, they, you know, you have your partner nations that, that you share your technology with. So the F-35 is just kind of the, the one-trick pony of all of that. Yeah. I love how they say it's a it's cost effective. It's eighty million 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheap then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then, as you say, I suppose there's plenty of support available again if it's an aircraft that is used by many partner nations, and and there aren't very many air forces now that that don't that that don't run that do run missions on their own. Should I say? I mean, quite often they, as you say, there's there's another another partner involved, isn't other. it? You know, mm. yeah. So, moving on to uh, to the last one on the list here. This uh, comes to us from warbirdsnews.com. And moving over to the UK for this one. Great bit of news, this one. Uh, Norman Chapman celebrates his 100th birthday at Duxford. Woohoo! Uh, so, on June the 14th um, at Duxford, um, he, uh, uh, the, the writer of the story was asked to attend Norman Chapman's 100th birthday. Uh, Norman was one of the pioneering engineers in the UK warbird movement and for many years he restored, maintained and provided engineering services of every kind in support of Rob Lampo's fleet of historic aircraft. He's best known for leading the restoration of Rob's combat veteran P-51D Mustang called Miss Helen, a project which he started in du- at Duxford in 1977. Blimey, we were only one years old then, right? Uh, and at least arguably, we were born. I know. <laughs> and arguably one of the most significant UK projects since it essentially kicked off the whole UK Warburg restoration movement. Uh, at Norman's 100th birthday party this week, uh, they took a group photograph featuring all of Rob Blampo's original ground support team oh, and wow. crew. Uh, Miss Helen's first proj- uh, post-restoration flight took place on the 5th of May 1987 with Lloyd Hamilton at the controls. Great picture there uh, for those of you watching on YouTube. Uh, Norman started his aviation career during World War II working on Bristol Blenheims, another one of my favourite aircraft there, with the Royal Air Force's Number 71 Maintenance Unit in both the Battle of France in May 1940 and the Battle of Britain in July-October 1940, post-war. He worked for many aircraft owners and spent many years working alongside Sir Freddie Laker. Ooh, I know that name very well. Maintaining aircraft uh, in the Laker Airways fleet. He also provided engineering services to many Warbird owners throughout the 1980s and 1990s, working on a wide variety of different types of aircraft. He is a remarkable man with a remarkable history. That's safe to say, yes, definitely that one. Absolutely. Just worth mentioning also that lovely picture there with everyone uh, that was taken by Richard Paver uh, and also the story, uh, the article that we just read was also written by Richard Paver as well. Great story, isn't it? Yeah. Love it. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And to to, um, to be at that good, great age and have yeah. that kind of kind of heritage behind you. What a, what a great lineup! It's so nice that the whole crew were there as well. Mm. I think that's such a lovely... A lovely thing. Well, I can't uh, believe he worked with Sir, Lady, uh, Sir Freddie Laker. Blimey. Yeah. The uh, Skytrain era there ah. with the DC-10s. Long, long, few, quite a few years ago, Matt, in the oh. 80s that was. Okay. I've heard yeah. of that. I know. Yeah. I thought you had. So <laughs> Matt's that, heard of the 80s. He's yeah, heard yeah, of the yeah, 80s. Yeah, I'm familiar with the 80s. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. It was a great era. Great music in the 80s. Oh, yes. Gemma would, Gemma would definitely agree yeah, with you absolutely. on that one. <laughs> Indeed. Well, you know what, Matt? I, I, I'll give you a pass. You don't even have to know what kind of airplane that is. You just have to say it's pretty. It is pretty. I will give you that. It is very pretty. Very pretty. Yeah. I, and I do know that is a Mustang, though. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Uh, for, forgive my, forgive my, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to absolutely undo all my good work today. Did that not also sh- share the Merlin engine? It did. It did. Yeah. 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 It did. That's... This is really just <laughs> someone. I'm... 
I we, don't know what to say. Someone's replaced Matt with a with a, a, a no, but a no, droid. So, so uh, there's a bit of a story behind that because um, I don't know if you got. I don't think you guys have had the privilege. Oh yes, you have. You, you've had the pleasure of meeting Tom. My friend yes, Tom, yes, his dad, his dad yeah. um, is often at Old Buck and all that kind of he thing. Is, and I know, yeah. um, I know John's met um, Tom as well. There's, um, we have this thing because we think, uh, and I've said it on the show before, the, the Merlin engine, I, I do feel, really did change um, military aviation. I do, I do, War, I do yeah. feel that that engine really did was a, literally a game changer. And so whenever we go to places like the Science Museum, because they've got one there, mm, uh, yeah. Duxford, because they've got a beautiful example right of up. it there in that in that first hangar where Concord is, haven't they? Um, and so we always go and pay homage to the Merlin engine. And we literally, we both look like Muppets when we do it, but we both get on our knees and just do that. It sounds, it sounds amazing get, as well. Absolutely. It is a beautiful engine, absolutely. Yeah. So, so yeah, so so it's it sounds like impressive knowledge. It's been basically drummed in to be my, my friend Tom. <laughs> That's the only reason that I, I know that. In fact, it, if I remember correctly, it, it, shared, it was shared with three aircraft in its lifetime, didn't it? A few. Actually, yeah, it was the yeah. Lancaster, yeah. the Mosquito. Lancaster, the that was what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, the, yeah, the Lancaster was the one I was mm. thinking. I knew there was a third aircraft, but it wouldn't come to me. That you know, I, I, that, was just, that was a step it's too an, far. <laughs> it's an unmistakable sound. It is and, a beautiful sound, yeah. And and it's a highlight. What a what a small thing to stand out in your mind so much. But when I used to live in Barry St Edmunds, I lived in the town center, and a couple times of year, the Spitfire would just yeah. come and do. Uh, whether it was Remembrance Day or some kind of other uh, ceremony going on, it would just do these low passes mm. over the town center there in Barry St. Edmunds. So I can't, like, it was just this iconic thing. I know I get super emotional when I talk about this stuff, yeah. but it, but I'm sitting there and my house was 200 years old. The Abbey in Barry St. Edmunds is a thousand year old yeah. years old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this beautiful spitfire is is doing aerobatic maneuvers over the over the the abbey there and it's just it was it transcends time and you just didn't know where you were in 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 the time space continuum and it was yeah. just one of the most beautiful things and the most beautiful sounds in the world agreed Rolls, Actually, Rolls Royce good job know, weirdly one of my one of my yeah, good job Rolls Royce good job yeah yeah shame the game slipped a bit of late we'll, but we'll we'll gloss over the 21,000 and move on <laughs> shall we there we go see another engine see see that's, what happened oh, what's happened to yeah. me what the hell oh my word <laughs> he's this X Files. Someone's been, he's, yes. been, he's been beamed up to the <laughs> USS Enterprise. Up. Do you know, actually you say that because uh, I, I love Barry St Edmunds and it's one of the it's one of the few locations I miss not going to as a coach driver. And one of my greatest memories actually was I think one of, was the second to last time I saw you, Armando, before you went um, home, and we met at the the winter the winter market. I think with um, yeah. with yeah. your with the your Christmas fair yeah the Christmas fair with your with your with your base buddy. Um, and uh, Lisa and Lee, Julia. Lee, who still definitely listens to to the podcast while he's driving buses, bless him. Um, and uh, as I say, that's one of my my sort of favourite memories was our, was a uh, was our time wandering around the, the Christmas markets at uh, at Bury St Edmunds. Actually, there you go. Yeah, so what a great place to be. Social media links before we wrap up. Then, oh, okay. Uh, for oh, those of you, oh, Carlos, you actually... Carlos is on it today. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say, Armando, just for a change this week, do you want to uh, let the no, listeners know? No, he won't remember them. He won't where they can... them. <laughs> Oh, well, you know what? I don't even have access to them. But, hey, if you want to 
find us on social media. Carlos and Matt and John can uh, reach out to you. You just have to go to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram to search for Plank Talking UK. We always appreciate any pictures or stories or just random texts to our WhatsApp number, which is plus four four seven five seven. Matt's favorite number, two two four nine one double six. You can email us at podcast at plaintalkinguk.com or just go to the website, plaintalkinguk.com, and it's got all our uh, information on there. And if you're listening to us on the audio podcast, why not come see our beautiful faces and go over to YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you have some extra coin in your bank, why not support us on Patreon or PayPal? And then you get access to some of our uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. I think... I, I've decided I'm making this executive decision right now. Ooh. I think we should make a bloopers video. Oh, oh well, I love Mondo, it. Have you, you any love idea it. I love it. work that goes? Have you any I idea? I don't. I don't, which is why I'm proposing it. Right, thanks. Uh, thanks. I love okay. you. Yeah, okay. John, good luck with that. Matt, good luck with that. Uh, you guys come over to Patreon and you'll see their hard work. The fruits of their labor. Right. How, yeah, and just, how long have we got to do this, Armando? Just out of interest. I mean, you know, it's time indefinite time. and non-committal. Excellent. Good. <laughs> so that is where we are going to bring episode three hundred and seventy-four to a close of the show. Big thanks to everyone who's joined us in the YouTube chat room this evening. Massive thanks to you all for taking time out on your Friday. Also, not forgetting everyone who listens to us as an audio podcast. Thank you to you all as well. And don't forget, if you do download us through iTunes or one of the other amazing podcast apps, to uh, send us a little uh, rating or review, review, I should say, on iTunes. We'd appreciate that very much indeed as well. We haven't had one for a while, so it'd be nice to see a, a rating on iTunes. If you get five minutes just to leave us one on there, it'd be great. So that is it then, guys and girls, from me and Matt here in the P2K Master Suite Studios, from Armando in his uh, temporary studio uh, across in the U.S., and uh, from John in our the voice in our ear, a big thank you to him as well for all his pre-show pre, uh, work uh, for the show this week. Thanks to you, John. Take care, everyone. Have a great weekend and see you all next Friday. Bye-bye, Goodbye. everyone. 